welcome to PolicyPod, Action on Sugar and Action on Salts podcast. Each episode will be hosted by a member of our team of nutrition and policy experts. We will have a variety of guests to explore current public health policy topics. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to PolicyPod. I'm Holly and in this episode we're going to be discussing alcoholic drinks. So back in January 2020 to mark our annual Sugar Awareness Week, we looked at the contribution that drinks make to our overall daily sugar intake and to raise awareness of how this can creep up. Our research showed that many alcoholic drinks are packed full of added sugar, but just as with labelling in restaurants and cafes that we discussed in a previous podcast, alcoholic drinks don't have to display nutrition labelling. Drinks like WKD Blue, which brings back a few memories, has no nutrition labelling and contain 59 grams of sugar in a 700 ml bottle. That's a large bottle, but that's still 15 teaspoons of sugar. And the only way that we found that out was to send it to the lab for independent analysis. Alcohol labelling is still, for the most part, voluntary and self-governed, with the only mandatory requirements being the volume of the container, the percentage alcohol content and whether common allergens are present. This topic is particularly important as research shows that alcohol accounts for nearly 10% of the calories consumed by those that drink. And each year, around 3.4 million adults consume an additional day's worth of calories each week from alcohol. So we think this needs to change and soon. And we're not the only ones. I'm delighted to welcome Nicola Merrin to our podcast, who is Senior Coordinator for Policy and Research at Alcohol Focus Scotland. Hello, Nicola. Thanks for joining me. Hi Holly, thanks so much for having me on. We first met probably about two years ago now when I was doing the research for our alcohol survey. So to start us off, it'd be great if you could give us a little bit of an overview of Alcohol Focus Scotland and the work that you do there. Yeah, sure. Um, So Alcohol Focus Scotland, or AFS as we're often called for short, um, is a national charity that works to prevent and reduce alcohol harm. So we're looking to see in Scotland fewer people who have their health damaged or their lives cut short due to alcohol, fewer children and families who suffer as a result of someone else's drinking and communities that are free from alcohol crime. And this work is really necessary in Scotland um, because we still have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol here. Um, You'll know probably that we drink too much as a nation. One in four of us are drinking at levels that put our health at risk. And we also suffer the consequences with around 10 people dying every day from alcohol. Um, And of course, that's not to mention the social and economic costs of our drinking. So what we do at EFS is we promote the most effective policies and interventions to tackle this. Um, We focus on what the World Health Organization calls the three best buys. So these are the most effective policies, which are to increase the price of alcohol, reduce how available it is and control how it is marketed. Um, as all of these things have a direct impact on how much we drink. I think the most popular or commonly known policy that we've been involved in, Holly, is, is minimum unit pricing, MUP for short. <laughs> um, so we were the first country in the world to introduce this policy. Um, some really bold action from the Scottish Government at the time. Um, it's been in place for a few years now. So from 2018, it's been illegal to sell alcohol for less than 50 pence per unit. Um, and so far, the evidence is really promising with reduced sales, and also great to see some, some great indications in terms of health benefits with, with fewer deaths as well. Action on, on price and availability and marketing is, is key for us in tackling the high levels of consumption and harm. But we're also focused on increasing people's awareness around alcohol yeah. and its effects. So just people don't really know 
what yeah. a unit of alcohol is. We don't know how much we're meant to drink to keep our health risks low. Um, and quite often, a lot of us don't even know that alcohol causes cancer. So, yeah, wow, some okay. really important things in changing how we yeah. think there's just so many areas, isn't there? And it always, I mean, we've only done a small amount of work in this area. And obviously we've we have spoken a lot over the last couple of years since we've started doing this kind of work. And there's so many areas for for concern and, and you know, the issues of alcohol harm are so, so great. But there's so many areas within the policy that are lacking. And it's just yeah. so shocking, isn't it? That, you know, there's so many things that you're going to, you're having to do as an organisation to try and so many different areas that need improving. And minimum unit pricing is such an interesting one because, it, as you said, it's it's been sort of really successful in reducing consumption. I think we've we're exploring more and more in in other areas of pricing and taxation and levies on on you know other health harming commodities and you know unhealthy foods if we're going to call them that. So it's really really interesting to look at that research and how that might be applicable to other areas. So I think there's lots of learnings to happen from that. But let's talk a little bit more about labelling because this is where our two worlds collide the most I guess and this is where we talk the most about um, what's missing with labelling and this is what Action Sugar were really keen to do the survey on alcoholic drinks in the first place we often look for food and drink categories that are you know excessive amounts of added sugar added to them um, but with alcoholic drinks we don't even have to have anything on the label so what's the issue with with labelling so I've already mentioned that you know there's no sort of mandatory requirement for nutrition labelling so what's the story at the moment with with labelling on, on alcoholic drinks? Yeah, I mean, you're quite right. Yeah, it's, it's a really strange and, and funny situation with alcohol, considering alcohol's quite unique and it, it's it's obviously a, a food and drink stuff, if you like, but it's um, toxic and it's addictive and um, carcinogenic in itself. So it's it's quite backwards that for food, you know, foods has legal requirements around what goes on labels. Um, you'll see, I've seen it in the shop when you pick up your food shopping, um, such as ingredients, you know, nutritional content, basically what's in it. But there's also things like warnings. So if you were to pick up a packet of chewing gum, for example, um, it tells you, be careful, you don't have too much of this because it's got a laxative effect. Um, oh, yeah. gum, there's warnings on those too, Holly. Think about it, you know, be careful for children because they might be might make them hyperactive. <laughs> but for alcohol, I mean, alcohol causes 200 conditions and diseases. 4,000 people a year die. Um, from it and as as we know there's there's quite a high calorie content like you were saying what we would call kind of hidden calories quite often I think about if you were to go to the pub and have a burger and a beer um, you might get the calories in your burger given to you if you're lucky but the calories in your beer quite often you would just not even think about it and they do they do contribute so yeah so there's no warning labels um, labeling on, on alcohol either and that's that's really such a big challenge. What what's happened for alcohol over the past 20 years has been this huge reliance on the alcohol producers themselves to to just be left in charge of what goes on on the labels of their products. Um, so they are meant to voluntarily adhere to, to guidance from industry and government. And what this means in practice is we're just left in the dark over what's in our drinks and how our health might be effective, affected. Um, as most drinks just don't provide this information. We know this because we did a, a couple of years ago, I think back in 2019 now, we did a review of alcohol labelling um, as part of the, the UK Alcohol Health Alliance. So I think you'll, you'll remember the Drinking in the Dark report, Holly, that, yeah, um, yeah, that talked about, yeah, like that kind of said in terms of nutrition and labelling. So 72% didn't give ingredients, over half didn't provide any nutritional information. Um, and I think there was one product out of over 400 that said um, that gave a warning about alcohol being bad for your health. And wow. even 
and even with that, the information that was provided, the text was often really small. So it was clear that, you know, you wouldn't really be able to, it wasn't prominent, it wasn't there that you would notice it. So yeah, so it's, it's really obvious that the, the alcohol industry just don't want to provide this, this information to the consumers. They tend to think that telling them to drink responsibly or giving them the address of a, a website for this information is good enough. And I mean, would you go online <laughs> to see how many calories yeah, is something, you know? I know, it's really shocking you say about the 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 chewing gum I've never thought about that it's just it's just so crazy that they're allowed to kind of decide themselves on what what yeah. to what to put on and you say about health harming um, and that drink responsibly thing that's it's the same for for gambling they have the same the same tagline don't they with um yeah. gamble responsibly and drink responsibly uh, but then there's no guidance on the packet of of what responsible what responsible well, that, should be yeah. and that, that's um, come up so often that people have said and we did some some recent um research with focus groups with young adult drinkers on this and it wasn't really on the responsibly responsible drinking messages but that did come up and the participants were saying well what does that even mean i don't know what that means does it mean i should drink in the house should i drink outside how much should i drink uh, yeah and and i think it's so ambiguous that if people were to give, if, if the label, sorry, were just to tell you, this is how many units are in this drink, this is what the, the low-risk drinking guidelines, what the chief medical officers in the UK have said, um, you shouldn't really drink above to keep yourself healthy, then that make, that gives people the, the power to know, you know, try and track their drinks, how much they're drinking, and, and as well with the nutrition as well, if they know how many calories, they might not pick the, the WKD with 15 teaspoons of sugar in it. I mean, from the industry perspective, it's totally understandable. Why would you want to tell people there's 15 teaspoons of sugar in your product or that there's a limit to how much you should be drinking to stay healthy? Or even yeah. worse than that, why would you want to tell people that your product can cause cancer? Yeah, definitely. And of course, they're not going to choose to put that on there if you if you don't have to. And I think what we've we've seen, especially since um, COVID, is how quickly businesses and, and, and policies as well can um can adapt really quickly whereas we've had pushback on this on sort of labeling from all all sides of the industry through to sort of policymakers about how how difficult it is how it's going to be too small to put the label how can you fit this in and and I just think that doesn't really stand up does it I think you just need yeah. to have clear guidance on, on on what needs to be on there it needs to be mandatory um and they, they will find a way <laughs> if it's mandatory, well, definitely. they definitely. will find a way and they, they do, when they put, that was the other thing that came up in the research was that both in the in the, the review of the labels that we did, when we, when we measured the text, but also from the, the participants in the focus groups who said, actually, I think they're doing that on purpose. They looked at the labelling, current labelling and reflected on what that was. And they said, well, actually, I think it's really small for a reason, because they don't want people to notice it. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think they're onto something there. So, yeah, it needs, it needs to be mandated, definitely. And I mean, they've been given... What, this has been going on for about 20 years the first time that they, the industry were allowed to kind of come up with some sort of voluntary agreement of what to put on was back in 1998 so yeah it's it's not really should be left up to producers it really should no. be, be mandated and then, and then that you get consistency as well like people should know what they can expect when they pick something up yeah definitely with all, all the information there to see and I think one of the arguments that we saw around um labeling was that you know alcohol is already subject to kind of or you know duty and, and various other things but to me that seems you know like a not a great argument 
it's a different it's a different point altogether isn't it that's that's something quite different to this it's not sort of a it's not a pick a mix of (laughs) of policies it's about having you know all the information there isn't it but public there must be public support for this right is is it do you know it's research I know you've done focus groups yourself around this is there is there a lot of public support for for labelling on alcoholic drinks is this what people want Definitely, definitely. I mean, when we've asked the public, they've consistently told us they want you know more information provided on drinks. And I think most recently, back in February of this year, we commissioned a, a YouGov poll as part of our, our colleagues down south in the, in the UK Alcohol Health Alliance, and that found that most people wanted more information on, on labels of alcohol as a legal requirement. So when we asked about specific bits of information, three quarters said they wanted the number of units on. 59% wanted calorie information and around half wanted the amount of sugar. So another thing is, it's not just about, you know, whether you would use it or not. Um, that, that did come up in our focus group research that some people were saying, you know, I might not want to know how many calories are in, in my drink, but I think it's really important that they're there so that other people, people on diets, people on training, people with particular health concerns, that they have that information and it's readily available to them. So yeah, I mean, it's it's really important. And, and the public are, they are a bit just like, well, why isn't it? You know, that, that came yeah. up. Yeah. You know, even for shampoo and other other sorts of consumer goods, everybody expects these days yeah. like you should, that the ingredients should be on. You know, you should know what you're drinking or eating. And yeah, it's just a bit, a bit confused as to why, why it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Is it just to say that about um, the sugar content? Because that's, it, it's... So, so you said about half. Was that right? That said, they wanted to see the sugar um, content yeah. of drinks, yeah. which is really interesting because it's one of those things of like, I bet those fifty percent are actually genuinely interested, but the others, the other probably others weren't probably that interested, but might actually be interested if they saw how much sugar was in there. And it's it's that kind of automatic thing. If it was provided to you, and it, you know, you picked up two two different bottles, for example, and one said it was. Um, 15 grams of sugar and another one said it was three mm-hmm. you know it's that kind of they should be enabling choice people should be able to choose yeah. which one and right now yeah. they can't they yeah can. and also it would, it would maybe help with reformulation as well if, if you were having to put on how much sugar was in your drink I think yeah yeah I mean that's some of the things that we spoke about when we did our survey with some of the pre-mixed drinks that are things like you know vodka and cola or rum and cola and although there are kind of like the lighter versions of that you know they do the diet tonic or the sugar-free um drinks in some of them there was not really any consistency in that and whereas whereas the soft drinks industry level is driven reformulation there's been no reformulation in the, those drinks. So you buy a, you know, a, a, a can of lemonade and it, it's got, you know, less than five grams of sugar, but you buy a vodka lemonade or a gin lemonade mixed up and it's, you know, back to the, you know, not been reformulated at all and it's much higher in sugar because there's no requirement. So it is a really interesting one with reformulation. I think it would make a huge difference, especially with those pre-mixed drinks, the sort of gins and tins and things like that. Um, so what's next for this? Then? So we were waiting a consultation from UK government on calorie labelling on alcoholic drinks. Right. Um, but they've have they made any real commitment for, for the rest of the information that we, that we want with the health warnings and the other information? No, no. So, I mean, the latest, obviously, as you said, is that this consultation is due on mandatory labelling for alcohol. But it is it's been driven as part of their obesity strategy. So it is coming from an angle of nutrition labelling. We are expecting to see proposals on display of the, the low-risk drinking guidelines, which is really promising, and, and drink driving warnings, I think, as well. All a step in the right direction. But, of course, 
we've been working really closely on the link between nutrition and obesity, things like that. And that that's important. You know, mandating the labelling of, of alcoholic drinks is interest, obviously, to you um, and, and action to, action sugar, but also to other organisations working on disease prevention. So those working on charities working in relation to heart disease and cancer, liver disease, diabetes, you can go on and on. Um, but yeah, so the important bit I really think is, is making sure that we get the health warnings element so that people are aware of this link between alcohol and the health risks. I think I said earlier on that quite a lot of people don't know that alcohol causes cancer. Yeah. A thousand people a year in Scotland die from alcohol related cancer. Wow. And that's that always really shocks me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really shocks me. And um, because it's that's kind of like the hidden harm because it's it's not cancer is caused by all sorts of things and mm-hmm. because of that we don't often hear about that but the alcohol element of it. And I know over over in Canada they did some there was an intervention a labelling intervention that they put cancer warnings on some of the bottles and it did increase people's knowledge and awareness. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of thing, yeah. We're, I'm not really expecting to see that in in the consultation, but we'll still we'll still bang yeah. it up. I mean, that's what I was going to say. It sounds like what we need to do next really is to, to rally the troops and to make sure that we're that we're commenting in that way when that consultation comes out as yes, calories, but yes, further nutrition information. And also there's some other real things that are, are missing from the label that we all need to make sure that we're that we're commenting on. Definitely. And, and yeah, we've never been stopped by the questions before in consultations. No. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> we'll shoehorn that request in there. We so. always find the other box, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Anything else you would like to say? Yes. Um, but yeah, so I, mean, I think we have a real opportunity here. You know, the Scottish Government in 2018 had said in their strategy that they would look to mandate alcohol labelling if they felt that the, the kind of voluntary approach with, with industry wasn't good enough. And of course, now we have this UK government um, consultation and, and it does make sense to have a UK wide approach, definitely. But it's just about how many shots the industry get at it. You know, yeah. we have, I think, about 10 years ago that all the governments got together and, and um, consulted on this issue um, and gave them you know, another chance to, to do it on a voluntary basis. So I'm hopeful, considering that Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland at the time all preferred to mandate I'm hopeful this time that we can get something like in a more uh, kind of legal legal requirement. We know how important it is from other areas like tobacco, for example, and food, that you need to be able to make things clear and prominent and do it in a certain colour so that people can read them. So, yeah, we, we wouldn't trust the industry to do that, unfortunately. We, I think it's public health to kind of take the reins on this one. Yeah. Well, that brings us very nicely to our um, final question, which I ask everybody is um, if I was a public health genie and gave you three wishes, um, what would they be? And they, they don't have to be around alcohol if you've got a, a secret sideline one that you want to ask. <laughs> well, OK, we've, we've talked about mandatory labelling. I've got to, that's got to be my first one, doesn't it? People really need to know what's in the drink. So I would have ingredients and nutrition information provided in labels of alcoholic drinks. Um, and to give them a better understanding of how to track their drinking and keep healthy, I'd also make sure there was units um, content information there and guidelines labelling. And of course, health warnings. We've even found out from Canada as well that health warnings can reduce consumption. I, I would love to see this sooner rather than later. I think we've waited long enough. Um, my second wish would be that Scotland continues to take a progressive approach when it comes to alcohol policy. Now, we've, we've heard about NUP, talked about that earlier on, and, and that was really progressive and bold. 
but now we're talking about making sure that the minimum price is linked to inflation and making sure we review it so that we get as much as we can from the policy and continue to save as many lives as we can too. I'm going to do two in one here. <laughs> the next focus um, that we have is restricting alcohol marketing. So um, many other countries have taken step in Europe to do this, um, mostly from the perspective of protecting children and young people from its effects. So I really don't want Scotland to fall behind on this and, and, and I'm pleased that the Scottish Government are going to be consulting on this over the next year. So my last and uh, third wish would be very simply from both a personal and professional point of view, a quick recovery for Scotland from this pandemic and prevention, including alcohol harm prevention, really needs to be at the heart of it. That's yeah. me, three wishes. <laughs> That's a great one to finish on. It just made me um, think, actually, I don't know if you've you've been seeing in the news about um, Cristiano Ronaldo removing uh, yes. the cola from his from the press conference. There was yeah. another footballer that I just saw. I can't remember his name now, but um, removed a bottle of Heineken for the same reason of not wanting alcohol. So it must yeah. be a new, new a new area for us to get a few champions in the in the footballers. Um, to do some of that stuff around marketing because that's that's a really that's a really key one as well we could do a whole other podcast on that I think yeah and it was a natural reaction that seemed to me that he saw it and was just like oh no what's that that's that doesn't make any sense you know and, and he knows that he's such a a role model for so many so many children especially out there and he's been very clear that you know he's an athlete he doesn't drink coca-cola <laughs> agua yeah <laughs> that would be a new tagline um i think yeah it's really important for everyone to start to making those connections and not and not to just you know blindly kind of support or, or sponsor certain things when they actually it's a bit you know it can be quite cynical so that's really good um thank you so much for joining me today that's been really really great speaking to you about that and i'm sure we we could do another whole, maybe one on on marketing will be next um yeah. that would definitely be a good one uh, but thanks so much nicola i'll see you soon thanks holly bye